into the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 487 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you, Sean? Um, okay, I'm just cold. It's cold. It's not. I want the sun to shine, and it's not warm yet. I think. Uh, now, fine. Yeah, mid-April. I think we're just about to turn a corner in the UK, and I think we're. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, next week's looking good, and everyone. I'm still cold. wearing the, the gilet. I noticed you've got a, uh, a warm jacket on there. I have. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That time of year, and it early yeah. spring. You can't quite make its mind up yet. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. No, but <laughs> hanging in there, we're okay. And uh, yeah. But yeah, you've had a you've had an exciting couple of weeks, haven't you, with a family wedding? Yeah, yeah Robert got married uh, to Abby, which was absolutely amazing. It was in Bodmin Gardens, which is uh, a national trust place in Wales, and it's like an Italian garden. It was, I mean, the setting was was amazing. Beautiful. And you, you could you look at the photographs; it could be in Italy. You know, mm. it's amazing. I saw a yeah. few of them. Yeah, it looked spectacular. So congratulations. Yeah. Happy couple. And we, we're, that's kind of prompted you to write a little blog post about relationships. And Well, we're moving into relationship season. We're coming out of divorce season, which I get just after Christmas. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we're coming in into, into getting married season, which is uh, spring going into summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get the most marriages going on. Um, All right. So we're moving into it, and I do loads of couples work. I do um, couple, all kinds of couples. So I, I do gay couples, straight couples, um, and um, one thing which I'm aware of, but I haven't worked with yet, is a throuples, where you have three people in a relationship, which is becoming a more common thing. Yeah, we'll come on to talk about that shortly. Um, quick yeah. shout out for the website. Um, uh, which is livingthepresent.co.uk. I have to think about it then. Yeah. Uh, so take a look. All the previous previous episodes are online uh, there for you to have a listen to and all the blog posts, uh, including the one Sean's just written for this episode. Um, yeah. So take a look at that if you're new to the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Well, let's dive in then because it's an interesting one, this. Because, uh, yeah, you've just experienced... Uh, the wonderful scene or sight of a wedding, and uh, I've yeah. actually just um, celebrated our thirteenth um, wedding anniversary with my yeah, with amazing. Wife. Congratulations! Many thanks. Yeah, yeah, time's flying by because uh, yeah, it doesn't well. I was trying to think about whether it feels like that long ago. We've done a lot in the in those thirteen years, including you know, well, two two not so little. Well, they are little boys, but two you know relatively. Yeah, were like young boys who were growing up nicely, and lots of other stuff done in the meantime as well. So, but it, it, it is that thing like thirty. Oh my god, thirteen years! It's like time. We we ought to do a podcast on time. Yeah, you know, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and how you can slow it down a little bit and tips. I don't feel like it's all been whizzed by because we've done so much in that thirteen years. Mm. Um, but that's a whole. We had a we had a little anniversary night away at at the hotel where our we got married, so it was kind of strange. Yeah. It was strange walking the halls again and thinking, yeah, about, uh, yeah I remember that <laughs> happening here. Or, uh, yeah. 
so yeah, it's it's weird, but that's a whole other uh, yeah. the whole other category which we'll come on to in another mm. episode. But yeah, you've so you've written this really interesting blog post, Sean, about relationships and I want to start really by asking about like the history of human relationships because culturally we're in this position in most of the Western world where you're expected to um to find that one person in your life and, and either stick with them possibly through the relate through the structure of marriage, but perhaps less so. But still you are expected culturally to find one person and stick with them, aren't you? Yeah. And and it's true that um less people do get married these days. Um, and if you look at marriage as an institution, I see it as a socio-economic thing, which starts off with the church, because the church used to be the control mechanism and yeah. also controlled finance as well, because people contributed to the church and whatever. Um, and I think that religions generally fed into, into more kind of uh, civil structures like, like councils and governments and stuff like that. And having a socio-economic system where you've got couples and families makes legality a lot easier, but also things like inheritance and stuff like that. Mm. So that there are lots of legal reasons why uh, marriage or registered relationships, whether they're civil partnerships or whatever, makes a lot of sense legally. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, know. Well, we're kind of... There'll be people out there that know way more about the history of this stuff. But yeah, I mean, in terms yeah. of like, like, like the UK is is all built around class structure and around like land ownership and ownership of property. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? So I and, guess. And, it, and, and in, in a marriage, it's like it's it's the eldest son usually who is the person who would inherit. Yeah. Um, and I I wonder whether, as the institution of marriage breaks down, whether things like that will break down. I wonder. I mean, we're about to undergo and go through a, a coronation of a new king in, uh, yeah. in in England or in the UK, aren't we? And for the Commonwealth, so uh, yeah. that's you know, we've got a case there. And obviously, the the institution of the royal family has had its ups and downs when it comes to marriage <laughs> in mm-hmm. very public ways mm-hmm. and continues to. You know, um, there. It, it does feel as though there's institutions like that are kind of creaking at the seams a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things I was mentioning as we were coming in is that the throttle thing, mm. where we see a relationship as two people. Um, and, okay, you can have open relationships where it's kind of free-for-all. Um, but a structured throttle is something I'm becoming more aware of, where you, you get three people in a relationship together. All the throttles I know are one male and two females. It could be that um, there are relationships where there's one female and two males. I haven't come across them yet. Um, but I, I was imagining, what would could you have a marriage with a throttle, you know, uh, like a ceremony, um, a civil, either civil or religious or whatever? Mm. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> People are complicated, aren't they? And I think, that, I mean, there's times in history, you'll know better than me on this, when relationships in, in kind of human history where the highest form of love between two people or three people was was classed differently. Um, uh, and, you know, I think there's, in terms of politics, you know, it's not unusual in, for certain politicians to 
to be involved in a scandal, you know, where they play away from home and that kind of thing. And I think there was a time in politics and in a certain higher class of civil society where it was kind of expected that a, that a, the man in a relationship would have a mistress on the side, you know, mm. and, and the wife would kind of turn a blind eye to it because a man mm. must have a mistress, mustn't he? Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, so we've had all those kind of, and people make excuses for all kinds of things, but I guess if, if mistresses were a thing at, in one time in history, then it kind of suggests that there was a, a need or a demand or an expectation that people, humans would need something else to, to turn to um, for marriage, wasn't there? So in some ways, weirdly, you know, I I haven't gone down that route yet. Uh, Hand on heart. Obviously I would say that anyway, Um, (laughs) but I don't know, maybe, maybe men do need mistresses, you know, to keep the marriage going. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I don't know. I, I have worked in lots of situations where, people, both men and women, have had an affair with someone else in order to maintain their main relationship. Yeah. Because they, 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 the main relationship wasn't working properly. They needed something else to keep their own emotional morale up to enable them to deal with the the main relationship. I've come across that kind of stuff. And, and I think it is that thing you're saying, like human beings are complicated. I don't think there is a rule. I think it's something which is individual to individual people and couples mm-hmm. um, as to how they, they work it. Yeah. I, I can remember back in the 60s there being um, a community of people that lived together, men and women, um, that all interacted together sexually. Um, right. There was something like, there was something like eight of them or ten of them in the house. And the women were having children, but they didn't necessarily know who the father was. Okay. Okay. You know, that kind of thing. It was like a whole community going on, and at the time it was the sixes. It was all far out, man. You know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know how that would be seen today. But mm. um, back then it was just seen as like mad hippies, and you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure little yeah uh, groups of people like that and communities have have they've had like attempted experiments, and I, I just wonder really, like on a longer term. Because we seem to be in this period of human history where there's a, a bit of an awakening amongst, uh, in the West at least, whether it's an awakening or a nervous breakdown, I'm not, I'm, which is too soon to tell. Um, but I was chatting with a fella uh, a couple of weeks ago um, who he, he was having a bit of trouble kind of understanding, as many do, the fact that there is there are more than two genders now, um, you know, and, you know, people are expressing themselves in, in ways that they didn't feel confident in terms of the clothes that they wore or how they identify themselves. Um, and for a lot of people that will be hard and me included, I guess it's, it's hard to understand that, but we've had three, 400 years more, maybe thousands of years of certain rules around how you can express yourself, what you can wear, what you can say. And it seems to be like that's coming to an end now. Uh, and I wonder how that will play out in terms of how relationships are formed in the coming centuries? I, I think that the idea of, um, and I, I've read this a few times in different psychology things going on, where you've got uh, a pupil going to school that wants to dress in the opposite gender, you know, fellas in dresses and girls in trousers and stuff. Um, and some schools can cope with that, some can't, you know, opposite. Um, but, I mean, fellas have worn skirts in Scotland for centuries. 
You know, no no one thinks that's weird. You know, you wear a kilt, you know. And if you look at Arab men, they dress the same as the women in, in like a, a floor-length kaftan. You know, that's that's not weird. But in how over here in, in Europe or in America, you know, that dressing as a male or a female is very defined, isn't it? As mm. to what you should do. Yeah. It is. It is, and it just seems like, yeah, that those kind of social norms are quite rapidly starting to tumble down now. Uh, even, you know, since when I was a kid and an adolescent, um, and then, like, uh, versus the kids or the young, like, 18 to 21-year-olds that I see now, um, there's no way, like, someone my age could have got away dressing, way with dressing how they're dressing. And, you know, and I think it's amazing because to have the confidence to be able to go out in public and just dress however the heck you want and <clears throat> a real a real ambiguity about whether it's a boy or a girl. Uh, and it, I think that that is very real in terms of um, some of the things that have been in the press about uh, criminals that um, have d- had kind of sexual criminality mm-hmm. who have decided to stop being men and be women, you know, that kind of stuff. And is that uh, applicable and, and, you know, d- should a man, because he sees himself as a woman, be allowed into a female space or that kind of... I mean, there's a whole load of things to look at in that. Yes. And and the issue about what do you identify with, you know, the whole kind of binary, non-binary stuff that that is is rampant at the moment. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, because I say that I am a male... And I've got breasts. Does that mean that I have to be treated like a male? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's all that kind of stuff. And the conclusion I come to is I don't give a stuff whether you're male or female, whether you're a chimpanzee. The issue is, are you a nice person? Well, that's yeah. what it comes down to for me and for you by the sounds of it is that yeah. are you kind to other people yeah. or are you not? Um, yeah. And, and if you're kind, it doesn't matter what you identify with or how you dress or what you do. It's like we look after each other. That's great. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, obviously, there's a lack of kindness that goes on when a relationship breaks down in terms of um, one. usually one person has kind of done something they shouldn't or maybe they've ended it in a not very kind kind of way. Um, so how can kindness play out in a, when it, at the end of a relationship in terms of how we, you know, how we how we respond to it because um, it, it can get really messy and nasty and it can leave a scar that lasts as I've found in my own family can last 40 50 plus years you know I, I think that what is down to is what is the expectation of society because very often people won't end a relationship in a society where relationships are that important yeah, until it is so dire and vile that they've got no choice. Maybe it's violent or abusive or whatever, but they will wait to that point before they split. And when they split, that's when the feelings are really bad. Um, one of the things when you do couples work, as I do, um, is that there is that, and, and I do state it at the beginning, is that I'm here to work with you as a couple. I have no investment in you staying together as a couple, but if you decide to split, then my investment is in that we negotiate a proper ending. Yeah, yeah, I you guess know, that's... So that it's like a civilised ending. Yeah, I guess that, and that can be a bit of an issue because um, 
when a when a relationship is on the rocks, I guess there is a little bit of a expectation or a plea that can you fix it? Can you get us back together? Can you make it work? When often I guess yeah. the, best, the best thing is for people to go their separate ways, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and but they have to get to that point themselves. I mean, there's times when I'm when I'm sat here thinking, I do not have a clue why you two are together at all. Um, but they have to get to that themselves, you know, mm-hmm. to decide what it is they're going to do. Um, and I have seen couples that have been in therapy; they've decided to make a go of it, and then they've come back to me, you know, five years later, and said, "This doesn't work. We need to work a way out of this. How we can resolve?" Yeah, I can't think. But at least then you're negotiating a a positive ending. Now there is a a mutually supportive ending, rather than one person being, you know, the damaged party and the other person, you know, running off feeling guilty or running off going ha ha ha, you know, whatever. Yes. Yeah. And I guess it's the same for for people on the outside of a relationship. You know, I know from recent experience too with some uh, folks that I know that. Uh, when you do initially hear about the shocking news that uh, people you know uh, are on the rocks a little bit and you're kind of initially desperate for them to work it out and then and, and as time goes on you maybe we need to have that understanding that um, maybe it's best that they don't work it out and that they they uh, just try and get through that initial rocky few years <laughs> when as they kind of rediscover themselves and um, uh try and look towards an, another future which may or may not i guess then involve another relationship because that's the next stage isn't it um someone might think i i, I might have i've done with that one i'm now i need to find someone else but maybe you don't maybe we don't need to find someone in you know i guess in some in some cases you do get people that are loners that don't that go through life not being in a relationship but, but if you look at it statistically lots of people come out of relationships and say i'm never going to do that again you know i'm done yeah but within two years, most people are back into a relationship of some sort. Mm. Yeah, which which indicates that, you know, we do need, people do generally need the support from another person or another group of people. But Yeah, I, I think our, our natural condition is to be with other people, you know, um, and probably bigger than, I mean, a, a couple is the smallest family you can get. You know, to be an extended family is, is our, probably our natural place. And extended families lead to tribes. Yeah. No. And that, that's probably the way we are. But at the moment, we live in these little boxes in roads, you know, where there's two of us in here. Maybe we've got a couple of kids. And it's like we hunker down in the box. We're not interacting as we would have done as hunter-gatherers. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, that's obviously in my kind of field of interest in terms of how we built the physical environment around ourselves. You know, we both live in... We're suburbanites, aren't we? So we live in yeah. our, our boxes with our immediate yeah. family, and every now and again we might venture out to the shops or to go and do something. But yeah. city living is something very different to that, isn't it? And for for a suburbanite, it can it can seem might feel a bit claustrophobic. But then, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We're all we're all different. But, aren't we? but it, if you look at the old extended houses, I mean, when I was a kid, there were some extended families where you would have a huge amount of people in one house. I mean, you might have a four-bedroom house. So you've got, like, a room which is um, for the parents and a room for the older kids, and then you've got two rooms with younger kids in, in with bunk beds. 
And there, there might be like eight kids in the house, but they're all spread out and sharing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and then as people get older, you, you get the grandparents would be moving in. and Yeah, you know. well, that's right. And, you know, we've talked in the past about how that, you know, it can be an issue when the, the kids start to move out and a house can start to feel empty. Um, mm-hmm. and that, can, that can put pressure on a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um and um, but then my folks live in the house that we all grew up in, and it's a four bed, semi detached mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. You know the ha- the space comes in handy for every other weekend when or someone comes to visit and stay that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And same for you, I guess actually. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but I guess those decisions about where we choose to live pre post kids, assuming people are even having kids, that's a whole other question in itself. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's a, you need a constant evaluation of where you are in life, where you're living, who you're hanging out with, and uh, yeah. whether it's right for you or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that whole idea about do we get married, don't we get married? Um, and if we don't get married, do we have like a civil partnership? And like, what's the legality? And the things that are get, I suspect are going to dominate what we do with relationships because it will be the legalese bit. Yeah, it's like the you know the money, the pensions, the splitting of the wealth, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that's yeah. it. And I mean, typically, you know, this is long gone, but the the mayor, the man in the house would have been the breadwinner. Yeah, um, either from a prehistoric point of view, because he would have been out hunting and gathering, or from you know more mm-hmm. modern times when the man would be out earning the dosh. But in, mm-hmm. in my house, my wife earns more than I do. You know, she's a teacher. My mm-hmm. salary, I'm as is mm-hmm. all over the show so uh mm-hmm. um i don't have a salary really so um she's the she's the breadwinner as such so from a legal point of view if if we were to get divorced and there's pensions and stuff needing to be split and all that kind of stuff it would be really she'd have to pay you maintenance <laughs> yeah i can afford to keep her going <laughs> so uh topsy-turvy bizarro world that we live in isn't it yeah yeah but it, it's looking at what was going on um, with Robert getting married, Robert and Abby, <clears throat> that idea about are you losing a son or gaining a daughter kind of thing. It, it became pretty clear to me that you've got two families, actually both nice families, and potentially what you've got is, is you've got the meeting of two families, creating a bigger family. And yep. you could see that, you know, because there were a lot of nice people in the room, as it were. Lovely. You know? And it was, and that was like the, oh, is this what extended families used to be like? It was that kind of feeling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's good. Um, all right. Very good. I mean, I get we could talk for hours and do a whole yeah, thing yeah. on this stuff. So we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to it. Um, anything else you want to mention before we uh, finish up? No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I think that. Um, Maybe the issue is that all of us need to put a little bit of consciousness into how it all develops because we're all going to have an input into it. Mm. Even if the input is only, oh, my God, you know, it's still an input. And we, yeah. we need to be aware of that over the next few years as these things do change because they are in motion at the moment, aren't they? Yes, they are. I know. Keep a close eye mm-hmm. on it. You can, uh, it's fascinating times, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. All happy? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Groovy. All right. I think I'll go and let you get back to it. You're looking after a turtle or at the moment? Tortoise. Tortoise. Sorry. Tortoise, yeah. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a turtle swimming around the kitchen. 
yeah go, go and check on betty the, the tortoise all right cheers sean all right good to chat to you i'll speak to you soon okay you take care see, see you bro. bye bye, bye.